It is uh, <clears throat> interesting to me that the last message in this series on being unashamed of the gospel and eight things that we need to believe if we're going to be unashamed uh, and bold in our witness for Christ comes on this International Day of Prayer for a Persecuted Church. Uh, when, uh, not even thinking in that line, I had chosen this, this topic long ago in terms of a, a holy boldness. In, in the gospel is a good place to, to wrap up and what it means to be not ashamed when you hear stories about folks who for their boldness to openly confess the name of Christ to seek to share Him or even just to be honest about their allegiance could mean a lifetime in a labor camp or could be the, the sentence of death by hanging to simply say that I believe that Christ is prophet and Lord, and someone else is not. Um, or to live in a country where there are no churches, or where churches are underground and people um, love Jesus and pay a high price to identify with Him. When for us, I remember a Keith Green song that, um, that, that said something in, in the vein of, and people are going to hell and we can't even get out of bed. You know, that there are times and ways at which I don't think that we sometimes even know what it means to sacrifice in, in really understanding what it means to follow Christ and to follow His mission and to be faithful to Him in a world. And we live in a country where there is no, other than social stigma maybe, um, there are very few costs involved for holy boldness. And yet, we find it difficult. We're in Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 to 33. Hear then the Word of God. Jesus says that a disciple is not above his teacher, and nor is a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and for the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? That is you who follow. So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What I have whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. The Word of God. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we have gathered this morning as your people. And we have gathered longing to not only lift our hearts in worship, but to to hear Your voice, that You would speak into our lives, that You would speak the truth to us, and that You would form us more and more as Your people. 
that you would remind us more and more what it means to know you and to love you and to serve you in this world and to serve you in this culture where you have placed us, where it is so easy, it's hard. (laughs) And there are so many where it's so hard and yet they give so much. God, would you speak to us afresh of these things that we might be liberated from our love of pleasure and our fear of pain that we might be bold for Christ. For we ask and pray it in His name. Amen. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, became president during the Great Depression. He came to power, came to the presidency in a time of national emergency and national crisis. The Great Depression was wreaking havoc upon our country with rampant unemployment, runs on the bank, incredible inflation, people out of work, joblessness. Problems were great. And as he came into the office and he looked at the situation, he saw there were a great many problems, but he said in his inaugural address that he thought the number one problem that faced America at that time was the fear that gripped us. And so in his first inaugural address, and this is in your bulletin, he said, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. It's fear that we should be afraid of. And he went on to say, there is this nameless and unreasoning and unjustified terror that paralyzes the needed efforts to convert our retreat into advance. Right? He wanted to see the country turn around. He wanted to see us get back on our feet. He wanted to turn these situations, these problems around. But the problem was, not the problems, but the fear that gripped and paralyzed us. He says we have nothing to fear but the fear itself. His point is, whatever else we have to be afraid of, whatever else the problems are, The thing that we should be really afraid of is the kind of fear that paralyzes us. The kind of fear that robs us of hope, that robs us of faith, that robs us of boldness, that robs us of the the desire and the ability to move forward, to turn retreat into advance. That unjustified terror that paralyzes The needed efforts to convert our retreat into advance that keeps us victims, it keeps us silent, keeps us immobilized in retreat. You know, we've come to a passage this morning as we talk about these things. It's really a passage about living out the Great Commission. That's what Jesus is talking about here. As He leaves and gives arching, marching orders to the church and, and He tells us what our, our great commission is to make disciples of all the nations and to teach them everything. There is this commission that's given and Jesus speaks to us about the fulfilling of that commission in this passage. What is it going to take? What does it need to look like? What does it mean to be committed to Christ? To the Gospel? To the Kingdom? To His church. 
Jesus was a man who was on mission. He came seeking and saving the lost. He was a man whose whole life was mission, not just from beginning to end, but the whole width and breadth and depth of it. His whole life was, a, was mission. And he calls his people and says, as I was sent, I'm, I'm sending you. And so there is this mission that envelops us and should define us and should be at the center of who we are, not just as a church and as a big group, but as you in your life as you look at your resources of time and money and energy and relationship and he says we are people on mission when Jesus left he declared I'm going to build my church and the very gates of hell will not stand against it that means it's going to be an advancing kingdom right because the gates of hell that's the gates are closed and he says they will not be able to stand in other words I'm going to the gates of hell will fall I will plunder the population of hell and populate a new kingdom I'm going to plunder hell the gates of hell, I'm going to build my church. It's going to be advancing. And he calls every disciple then not only to confess our allegiance to Jesus in this advancing kingdom, but as church, as a church and as individuals, he calls us to join in the very proclamation of the gospel to a lost world that we would be those who speak. Jesus says the advancing of the kingdom and the gospel requires a holy boldness on the part of His people. And by the time I'm done, I hope that we will see that both as He confronts our fears and calls us to boldness, and not only that, but gives us a spirit of boldness and of power that Jesus is telling us the advancing of His kingdom requires holy boldness on the part of His people. Jesus wants to free us from that unjustified fear that paralyzes the needed efforts to turn retreat into advance. To send us forth against the gates of hell. To plunder its population. Now let me just ask you this. Is Christ's mission through your life in retreat or advancing? Because I believe that that's what this is, this is all about in the Great Commission and this passage and so many others. It, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, but He says, I'm going to do it through you. As though God were making His appeal through us. We are His ambassadors and we go and make disciples. And so Christ's mission advances. He says, I will advance my kingdom against the gates of hell and plunder its population. And He says, and that mission is through your life. Right? It's through you as you bear witness to Him. And to speak, as He says, to speak what I've whispered to you as we've sat in these quiet moments and I've spoken to you of eternal things, as I've spoken to you of the cross, as I've spoken to you of who I am and my purposes in my kingdom, the things I have whispered in your ear, the things I have taught you in, proclaim them from the housetop. In other words, that's the way they often made announcements. They didn't have a nice microphone like this, you know, Britney Spears style, that you could, you could hear me when I'm, you know, speaking up here. So you had to do what? You had to climb up like on a housetop to get maximum range and the most possible people could hear you. To call out whatever it is that needed to be known. Hear ye, hear ye. Whatever I've whispered to you, proclaim it from the housetops. Is the mission of Christ through your life in advance or in retreat. Jesus calls His people to a God-centered, Spirit-empowered 
fearlessness and boldness. I look at these persecuted church videos and you hear the stories and we were just dinner last night talking about it, how wealthy we are and people from other countries, you know, they hear us complain and they say, you, look, you live like kings. You live like kings. You have no idea. Like what it is in even just South Korea, which is other parts in most of the world, the vast majority of the world, not only in terms of what we have, but in our freedom, in our, in our religion. And there, the cost to follow Jesus and to confess His name and to, and to be holy, bold with those things He whispers in our ears. And we live in such fear. I know, I, I, I mean, I'm myself through the years and on and off that, that fear of what people will think or whatever that keeps us immobilized and silent. Three times Jesus says, have no fear. Right? We see it in 26. He says, have no fear of them. Right? If they called me, you know, and slandered me and said, I'm serving the devil in, in my... If they maligned me and talked me down and rejected me, he says, no servant is greater than his master. So have no fear of them. Don't be afraid of them. Right? He says it again in verse 28. Do not fear those who can only kill your body. Don't be afraid of them. The worst that could happen is you'll be with me in paradise. That's the worst that can happen. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Don't, don't fear these guys. Verse 31. Fear not, therefore. Speak, proclaim, acknowledge me. Sometimes we don't speak and invite and proclaim simply because of laziness and and apathy. But as often as not, it's fear that keeps us silent. It's fear that keeps us in our little collective. But it gives His disciples this God-centered, Christ-centered vision to motivate and empower them to boldness. Right? This is a passage where Jesus is saying to His disciples, I need boldness from you. I need, I need you to witness for me. I need you to speak my name. I need you to not fear them and what you have heard speak from housetops to, to as many people as you can reach and to get to hear as possible. Right? That's what I want you to do. And so don't be afraid. So don't be afraid. So don't be afraid. And let me give you this vision of, of this Christ-centered, God-centered vision that can help set you free from your fear. You know, it's not unlike this is in your bulletin as well. Under the second point, Drew Dickey says, speaking of Isaiah 6, in his call, Isaiah's call to ministry to speak. It says, although initially Isaiah is overwhelmed and he's terrified and he's unable to speak, he ends up saying, here am I. Send me. Let me go. Let me speak. Let me be the one to bring this message. Right? Here am I. Use me. He has this new willingness to accomplish God's mission. And that's what the church needs. A new willingness to accomplish God's mission. Why? Because He has seen a great and a holy God. He has glimpsed His kingdom and His kingship. He has glimpsed His greatness and His power. And everything else is, is, is put into perspective. Later on, Isaiah speaks of the peoples as grasshoppers before God. You know, do not fear those grasshoppers that can only kill your body. You have a great an awesome God who reigns in heaven. And so, when we see God for who He really is, He says, fulfilling His mission in the world is no longer a dreaded duty. Full of fear and retreat. 
but it becomes a delight. We are energized. We are energized to do His mission. We want to. We want to be used of this God. We want to speak for Him. If I could speak for anyone, like, you know, if you could be the front person for some celebrity, you know, oh, I would love to do that. God says, you're, you're His front person. You get to speak. It becomes our delight. We become energized. He wants us to see this great holy God in some verses 24 and 25. In some ways, Jesus says, look at me. Right? Look at me. A disciple is not above his teacher. A servant is not above his master. It's enough for his disciple to be like his teacher. Look at me, your teacher. Look at my ministry. Look at my mission. Look at my passion. Look at my purpose. Look at the power of God at work in my life. I'm blazing the way. I'm giving you an example. I'm showing you what it's about. And if you are my disciple, if you are my servant, you are not above me. You're not exempt. If they ridiculed me when I speak, they may ridicule you when you speak, but you're not exempt. Speak. Your Master has spoken. What He has whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the housetops. And, and do not be afraid. It is enough for you to be like Me, to suffer what I have suffered, to walk the road that I have walked, to bring the Gospel to a lost world. There's nothing they can say to you that they didn't say to Me. There's nothing they can do to you. They're going to crucify Me. There's nothing they can do to you that they haven't already done to me. It's okay. It's okay. He says, so, 26, so do not fear them. 26 and 27, he says, so have no fear because the truth will prevail. The truth wins. Right? The truth prevails. Verse 26 and 7, he says, so have no fear them because nothing that is covered There's nothing that is covered that will not be revealed. There's nothing that is hidden that will not be made known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, say it in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim it from the housetops because what you are proclaiming, what you are saying and hearing from me is the truth. And one day it will all be made clear. So right now it's a little muddy. Right now you speak the truth and they treat you like a liar. Right now you say good and they say bad. And you say sweet and they say sour. Right? So we speak the truth and the world doesn't necessarily always receive it. We may be made fun of, rejected. They may call it a crutch. They may put you in a work camp for the rest of your life. People are ostracized from their families. People lose their jobs. They speak the name of Jesus. He says the day is coming when the skies will be rolled back like a scroll. Right? And He will descend with His shout and with His mighty angels. A day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. And what seems so right to them and what seems to put them on top and that they're so powerful and they're so in and they're so cool or they're so socially accepted and they're so what, savvy and I've got to be in their in crowd or you know, that thing. And Jesus says the day is going to come when all that is going to be exposed for the lie that it is and the truth will prevail. And every knee will bow people who made fun of you, the people who mocked you, the people who sent you away. Jesus says the day is coming when it all will become clear. Have no fear. Right? He says, so have no fear of them. And so in verse 28, He says, fear God then rather than the world. Right? We should fear our God rather than the world. 
Do not fear those who can only kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. These are temporal things. These are temporal fears. These things are, they, they are here to gone and day to tomorrow, like the grass that blooms in the spring and, and goes dark in the fall. Like flowers that bloom and then fail, do not fear those who can only kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear Him who can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. God reigns in an eternity. God judges for not a few years of popularity or whatever else, a rising star, you know, wherever it is, the things that we so desire and want in this world that keep us paralyzed. The fear of losing them. To identify ourselves too loudly, too clearly to, with Jesus. And so Galatians 1.10 is there in your bulletin. Paul says at one point, for am I, says to the church, am I now seeking the approval of God? Man or of God? Right? Because it really has to be one or the other. Man pleasing, God pleasing. See, if I'm, trying to please, if I'm trying to please man, if I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And that's often what happens is we, we serve an economic, social order. And we become servants of this little kingdom and pawns in it and we play into it and seek it and desire it and seek to be accepted and, and rewarded and financially and socially and otherwise we want to be esteemed. Right? If I speak too loudly, people will think I'm... And this is my fear. We talked about fears in the evangelism class. People will think you're stupid. Think you checked your brain at the door. They think ill of you. They think low of you. And I don't, I don't want people to think low of me. I want people to be impressed by me. I want people to like me. Right? So, and these are the things that paralyze us. If I were seeking to please man though, when I do that, when I seek to please man, when I seek to look good in the eyes of the people around me, He says, I have ceased being a servant of Christ. As Jesus says, I came to bring a sword, a division to divide father and mother, brothers and children. And, you know, we, I came to divide in the sense that the Gospel is a winnowing fork. Who is it wiser to fear? Who is it wiser to obey? Jesus says, don't fear them, don't serve them. Speak My name. Tell of the cross. Invite people to follow. Invite people to church. Invite them to these things. You know, just imagine if, if every person in here invited one person a month in 30 days to church. That's a dozen people a year times 250. You know, say only three of them came out of the dozen you invited in the whole year. That's three times 250. Right, and two hundred and, and, and what if only one or two of each of the ones you know stayed, you know, we would still buy a hundred people. You see what I'm saying? There there is this and they told two friends and they told two friends and they told two friends and the multiplied power of a gathered people is as we're also out scattered speaking the name. Jesus said, Think about it. Right? God is your father. Right? That's verse twenty nine to thirty one. He's saying, Think about it. Right? I'm telling you to speak. Don't be afraid of these guys who can only kill your body. And then he says this not random thing, but he's he's saying, think about it. Aren't aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. That is apart from his knowledge, his attention, and his will. 
Not one bird dies in, in the woods out in, you know, Prentice Cooper that is apart from God's attention and His will. Are not two sold for a penny, but God knows. God cares. God rules. God reigns over these things. And not one of them falls to the ground. But even, and you know, so we know He's talking about His attention and His care. Are not even the hairs of your head numbered? Right? God knows the details. Like He knows. Some of you are saying, well, I don't have that much. So. Well, that's the point though. God knows that. Right? He knows how many or not how many. He knows the point is God knows your head. He knows you. And he says, are you not worth more than sparrows? In other words, I mean, what is he trying to tell us? God knows and God cares. He is the Lord even of the sparrows that fall. You think you're going to fall? That they're going to kill your body in town, whether it's here or there, and God doesn't know that it could happen apart from God? In other words, there's, a, there's an old saying that says, you know, you are immortal until God says you're not. You know, in other words, you cannot die apart from God, right? Not one sparrow can fall apart from God, His will and His attention and His care, that you are immortal until the God says otherwise. That's how Paul made it through. How did Paul make it through? Suffering and the preaching and that he endured. Where did my time go? So, holy boldness. He says, acknowledge me before men. Identify with me. Speak my name. Bear witness with me. See, the culture we live in fears pain and we tend to fear it with them. The culture we live in demands comfort and we tend to demand it with them. The comfort, the love of comfort and pleasure. In the midst of it, the church has grown soft. It doesn't want to be uncomfortable. It doesn't want to experience pain. It doesn't want to be deprived of its pleasure and so we grow soft with the culture and we grow silent we love and fear the world and the lost of its treasures more than we love and fear God and invest in his kingdom Jesus' promise is clear he says be my witness now be my witness here stand for me and on that day I will stand for you well, on that day, I will acknowledge you. Right? I will speak and I will not neglect. Jesus says, you are the light of the world and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. Right? Let your light shine. Say it from the rooftop. Speak out to people. And there are more than one way to not acknowledge Jesus. One is to deny our allegiance. To stay silent when we should speak. To not identify when the opportunity is there. To not invite when the opportunity is there. To not seek opportunities and not pray for opportunities. But the other one is simply to pursue our lives of pain-free comfort and pleasure. Lives of self-indulgence and simply ignore the mission. Simply ignore the mission. Simply ignore and neglect the Gospel. Both will effectively shut down our witness. Jesus says being a disciple is to be empowered and emboldened by the Spirit for a life of witness. So we're under that last point. And I've got a bunch of quotes there. And let me just touch on some of them to leave you with because I'm going to leave you with do two things. And one is to pray 
to pray for boldness and to be used by God and to take a small step somewhere. Right? And that's what comes out of this. Because this is what the Scripture said. Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8, he says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power to love and to be self-controlled. That is, to be under our own power. So He gave us a spirit. Right? He poured out His spirit into the lives and hearts of His people. And He says it's not a spirit of fear. When you are afraid, when He says don't be afraid, don't be afraid, that is of the world. He gave us a spirit and it's a spirit of power. And then you say, well, for what, Paul? What does He give us all this power for? And we can think of a lot of things we might want to see happen. But He says this, Therefore, do not be ashamed about the testimony about our Lord. That is, speak the Gospel. Nor of me as prisoners, but rather share in the suffering of the, for the Gospel by the power of God. What does it mean to share in suffering for the Gospel? People in South Korea know what that means. People in Afghanistan know what that means. People in, in Africa and many places in Africa know what that means. Right? People through the ages have known what that is. Right? Share with me in suffering for the Gospel by the power of God. He's given us, he says, God has given us a spirit of power specifically to share in suffering for the Gospel. To speak. To not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. There is this power to be His witnesses, to speak His name, to get on the rooftops. Ben Connolly says, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, God calls you His missionary. Right? If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, He calls you His missionary. You may never go halfway around the world, but you are on mission to people at work, in the school, in the neighborhood, and those who are in need every day. As missionaries, God has sent us out to live out this great commission in the ordinary, normal, all too busy, and even the most mundane moments in our lives with our neighbors and our coworkers and the Cub Scouts at sports, at work, and, and, and everywhere and everywhere we work and play and live. It's easy to get locked into a Christian bubble, Parnell says. And we soon lose contact with those who desperately need to know the good news. It's easy to mistake sanctification to mean separate from the world instead of separated for God's work in the world. But Christians are truly called to move toward need, toward people, toward brokenness, toward others. And that's as we finished up and, and, and did the evangelism class in Sunday school, I mean, a couple of things I would just wanted to reiterate over and over again that say really at the heart of it is this. Move toward people. Move toward people. Love them. Meet their needs. Befriend them. Talk to them. Be there with them. And then pray for opportunities for boldness. Right? Paul says, pray also for us that God may open a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ. Pray that God will open the door. Ephesians 6, he says, making supplication also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the Gospel. The Apostle Paul needed God to embolden him so he could speak. Let us pray for boldness. Let us pray for opportunity that God would open the door and pray for boldness that we may open our mouths. Speak the name of Jesus and to invite people into church or to a bonfire or to a small group or to an event or to a women's retreat or to somewhere. 
God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power. Do not be ashamed, but share in suffering for the Gospel by the power of God. Move towards people. And God in you, the Spirit that will come upon you in power, God in you, will set you free from that nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror that paralyzes us. And steals the needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. So my prayer for us as a church is that God would convert our retreat into even small steps of faith as we are unashamed and that by the power of His Spirit we might learn to speak and to move toward people. Pray with me.